Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 117. My name is Scroobius Pip. You can find me on Twitter at Scroobius Pip, yo. Me and Frankie Boyle discussed t- Twitter and social media in this in this here episode of the podcast. Hi guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, huge guest this week in Frankie Boyle, a massive, m- massive guest that a lot of you have been asking for for a long time and excited about for a long time, and I'm delighted to have made it happen. Um, it was the most relaxed and welcoming chat. It, I say this every now and then, but often if it's a person that you've not m- met before, you're always concerned if the chat is going to flow freely or if you're going to nerd out. I, I do worry, and it might happen a, a, a little bit in this. And I've said before that the only times I ever have people say, oh, that that host kept like turning it, it round to be about him. Um, it's only when it's someone I've just met and I'm excited to meet. And there was a couple of times in this, I was conscious that, like, you know, if, you, if you're meeting someone new, you want to be like, all oh, right, yeah, no, I, I've, I've done that as well. Look, I've got this story. And you, and you try and relate and, and connect. And I do that a couple of times in this. But I think it was all relevant. Like, I don't think it sounds too much like I'm just being a dick and being like, that's a cool story, but check out my story. Or that means we're similar in this way. You know, I don't think I did that, but I might have done. Who knows? Before we get into this chat, we, me and Frankie talk about drugs a lot in this podcast or in, in places. And I want to mention to you that there's two podcasts on my network that are about drugs that you might enjoy. There's one called Say Why to Drugs with Dr. Susie Gage, and it's amazing. She picks a different drug every week, and then she talks to me about them and educates me on them, basically. And it's 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 not pro-drugs or anti-drugs. It's pro fact and anti anti myth so it's just an unbiased breakdown of all these different drugs from alcohol to tobacco to to weed to cocaine to mdma to hallucinogens to all sorts so check that out and also we've got one called stop and search uh with jason reed which is in association with leap uk which is law enforcement against prohibition and they're talking about the issues in drug law and changes around the world in in, in, drug, in drug law and the developments in that. Um, I had Neil Woods from Leap UK on the Distraction Pieces podcast a few weeks ago, and he was an undercover cop in the, the war on drugs for, for 14 years, and his stories are absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention them. Um, I forgot to apologise on last week's podcast for the white Polaroid with Edith Bowman. The story there is, right, generally... When I record my podcast, I lug my incredibly heavy podcast gear all around London. And it's good because it helps. It gives me a good workout, but it's exhausting. And when I have um, the opportunity of using someone else's studio, it's exciting because I don't have to lug that. But it sometimes means I forget to bring my Polaroid camera with me because I keep that in with my recording stuff. So I forgot that. And you'll know that if you're a regular listener, I've done that one or two times and not had a picture for, for that episode. But um, Edith had her own Polaroid camera, so we used that. It just didn't have gold film because she's not as baller as me, but that's fine. You know, not everyone is. Yes, so there's the public apology for that. This week's podcast is brought to you by Speech Development Records. It always is. And me and Frankie at the start talk about hip-hop a lot. And during the Edinburgh Fringe, he did a tweet recommending that people check out Say Francis and B. Dolan at their Edinburgh Fringe show. Now, that's over. 
but we still have their records at speech development r- r- records on S- for Sage Francis we uh, we have his Copper Gone album on double gatefold gold vinyl yeah we were a real record label like we actually put records out rather than just mp3s and for b dolan we have his kill the wolf album on on double midnight blue uh vinyl so check them both out i mean i wear them on cd as well and they're on itunes and all that kind of thing but i think you'll enjoy them and you should check them out we also have distraction pieces podcast merch it's a good way to support the podcast obviously we do this for free for you every week I often have people ask if there's a donation page, a Patreon or any of these, and there isn't. I'd rather that if you want to contribute, then you get something back for your directly for your contribution. So whether that be a Team 3W t-shirt or mug or the Distraction Pieces podcast book, all of these things are options. So, yeah, thank you for your continued support. Let's get on with the podcast, eh? Um, yeah, it was. it's a huge honour to have Frankie boil on he's a, a massive name and doesn't do tons and tons of podcasts like you don't find him on on loads of podcasts and i was i really enjoyed how how uh, this is going to sound odd but, but how how softly spoken and 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 um and deeply contemplative i got that word a bit wrong um he was like you obviously you see people on panel shows or on their on their live shows even that they have to be quite shouty or ranty or whatever else but he was a wonderfully welcoming and calm dude and we had a very relaxed uh and reasoned conversation about numerous different subjects and topics he wasn't kind of scared to discuss anything so that was a beautiful thing so yeah i hope you enjoy this i'm gonna i'm gonna oh i should mention um i think i'm thinking that next week we're gonna do a new drunk cast now anyone who's new to this podcast I've had some amazing guests and it kills me that some of the most popular episodes are the every month or two when me and two of my mates get drunk and just talk about stuff that's been going on. It normally goes to like three or four episodes, they go on forever, so they're called our drunk casts and we haven't done one in I think two months, so it might be next week, it might be the week after, but in all likelihood next week Chris Glasson and Stuart are whiffing are going to be joining me again in the Whiff Inn, which is the pub shed at the bottom of Stuart, Stuart Whiffin's garden, and we will be getting drunk. I'll be drinking a drink that has been known, become known worldwide now as a Scroobius, which is a gin and Pepsi Max. So, um, I mean, feel free if you're tuning in to join me in a gin and Pepsi Max. And see, I mean, that's a good idea. It's a terrible idea because you'll make yourself ill and and drinking is has a lot of bad things about it but um maybe if you're listening to all three or four episodes you drink along um and see how drunk you are by the end and then you might understand our pain anyway so yeah the drunk cast is on its way john bradley from game of thrones is on his way um he plays sam there's a lot of good people on on their way jack gallagher um who is a british a wrestler that I've been a big fan of for a long time. He's just signed to the WWE um, and is starting on Raw very soon. So that's going to be great. He's an amazing a young man. You're really going to f- f- find him fascinating. He's 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 big into his philosophy. He's big into his, his MMA. Um, and he happens to also be a wrestler and one of the best in the world. So you'll enjoy that. There's a lot more to come, basically, is what I'm saying. Oh, I should... Oh, uh, 
I mean, of course, I should also mention, call me White Kanye. Um, I've got some trainers coming out. I've mentioned this. A lot of you will have missed it. I've not banged on about it too much. I designed some trainers and they come out on Friday. Basically, the story is, I tell, I, if, if you're not interested in hearing this, just skip forward a few seconds because I'm just going to talk for a second because it's exciting to me. Um, it's not an advert or it is an advert. They're not out yet, so it's not an advert, but it's a, it's a pre-advert. Um, I got approached by a company called who shoes and they were going to sponsor the podcast and they offered to, to send me some and they sent me some and i really i really liked them i thought they were made really well designed really well and we kind of went back and forth and they asked if i'd be up for designing a pair of trainers and i was like well yeah that'd be dope um and i went in and met with them and sat down with their designers and we went back and forth a bit and we went over fabrics and i wanted because i've got giant feet and i like boots the boots I like the best are ones that are kind of that are still quite slender. So um, basically, my thing was I was saying to them, I want them to be dope for anyone, but equally, if you're a size twelve, a lot of high tops or whatever, when you get them in a size twelve, they're like a damn ski boot. So yeah, I I, I went back and forth. And we designed them and we've made them, and they come out on Friday. And it's it's a limited run of fifty or the initial run at least. It's a limited run of fifty. They come out on Friday. Each one. We did a photo shoot for it the other day. So I'll be posting this all over social media, but I thought I'd let you guys know in advance. We did a photo shoot and we decided also to shoot 50 Polaroids of of, of me and I've signed them. So each pair of this initial run um, will come with a signed Polaroid that will be unique. And you can get them. It's Who Shoes, but they write their name backwards because they're mental. So it's if you go to OH com. so o-h-w-s-h-o-e-s.com um then on friday which is when they launch then you, you can you can buy my shoes um and i designed them and they've got my autograph etched into the back and they're really cool and they've got the speech developments slogan on the inside i'm really pleased with them and i'm excited about the collaboration so yeah check them out if you're into that kind of thing I said they come out on Friday. Um, thank you for tuning in. Let's let, let's get on with the podcast. This is episode one hundred and seventeen of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Frankie Boyle. bits of culture that I'd never seen. So yeah. Louis Theroux, I went and watched all his documentaries and I'd yeah. like never really seen any of them. Just catch up on all of them. Yeah, it. and like one of them was The Streets. Suddenly I listened to that last year and I'd like <laughs> really no idea it's what great. it was. I mean, it, it, it can be re- really good. Dan Lissacco, I worked with a lot, had a thing of if a new album comes out, he'd try not to listen to it in the first six months or year just because you're so influenced by the marketing campaign and what everyone else is saying and if it's cool and you can't really take in if it's good right. so it's, it, it, it can be a good thing to, to, to take things in uh, aside from the hype around them and so on and so forth totally I've done, I've done the typical podcaster thing of just starting recording Stunt mid-conversation <laughs> just going cool. in um, I'm joined by Frankie Boyle how are you today sir? I'm great man really good I'm glad we've uh, I got around to to having this chat it's it's very nice to be you you 
Are you in lovely digs in, in, in a writing escape at the moment? So yeah, I'm in a hotel. I fucking stayed in a flat that was absolutely horrendous. And sort of, th- there was a mouse, <laughs> which is like my oh, wow. kind of, like, it's quite decadent of me, but that's my kind of dividing line. Yeah, when I got that a, is a got decent line. It's, um, unless it's, although, you know, a, a writing escape, tr- tr- traditionally, I guess you should be in a hovel and, a, and, a, and with yeah. mice and horrible things, but we don't all have to be. Kerouac or, or whoever else you can. It's all overrated. You can't write in comfort. I wonder if you went back and found out what those guys actually did. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. or someone. I, uh, I had um, I had Limmy on the podcast a while ago and he was in a hotel I was staying in and I felt really self-conscious because I don't often stay in nice hotels but this hotel was nice to the point of flirtation. Like right. it had too many pillows, it had a lot of, of, of silk stuff hanging and I felt incredibly uncomfortable. So this is a professionally nice hotel. It's not. Yeah, it's not a seductively like, nice hotel. Hotels are sort of simulations, aren't they? You know, yeah. Like Baudrillard thing of like everything's a simulation now. Yeah. So it's sort of like the idea of what a nice place to stay would be like yeah. if that could exist. Yeah, but it can't yeah, yeah. Really, because they've got to like clean the next door's room at fucking nine in the morning, and yeah. they've got to make noise, and they've got to, you know. But the the, the thought is there. Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's kind of an ideal place for I, I would imagine an, an ideal place for writing and creating because it it removes a certain amount of the un, unnecessary things that you have to concern yourself with if you're at home totally. and I don't mean family and family as well but I, I mean just just, just just you do have easy access to food and 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 so on and so forth yeah. and entertainment and everything else you need but you're in one place and it's successful you're not having to, to worry about have i got food in have i got this have i got that it's all and and like solitude yeah because actually it's like really difficult to get solitude in modern yeah. life unless you're kind of on the road yeah so like yeah. for comedians that's like one of the main times that you write is sort of traveling because you're like well, i can leave all my responsibilities there yeah. and just you know sit yeah. in a room and think of things I was, I, was, I, was, I was chatting to a guy the other day and there was um he wanted to do a documentary about it it was it was the producer of edith bowman's show on virgin radio and he was saying that i think it was something like public enemy de la soul and one other actor, I can't think, all did this tour. And on that tour, De La Soul wrote Three Feet High and Rising. Public Enemy wrote one. Like, like all right. these three seminal hip-hop albums were all written at the same time. And it's that thing, exactly that, of if you're on the road, you've got that. Number one, your mind is in entertainment mode. Yeah. So you're kind of on that. And I'd imagine that with, with comedy, you're, you're fine-tuning your set and your performance. And that's the ideal time to write new stuff and figure out what I might th- work I think it's like you write new stuff for later though because yeah. you're on the tour and you've got this fucking pressure of like you've got to go out in front of 2,000 pissed up Geordies yeah. and make this work and if you start trying it like as you're writing it yeah. it just fucking dies yeah. and you lose faith in things that are quite good so yeah. I tend to write and keep it till the next time yeah yeah that's good and and then what do you do with that do you do smaller gigs to, to workshop things because again I can imagine it's similar with bands as well that you've got your hits and it's hard to let go of them at times if, you, if, if you're doing a big gig and you know that if I do this joke now it'll work yeah, if I do this joke it might work a bit it's comedy's totally different because yeah. if they're coming to your warm up shows they've seen your DVDs yeah so or they're coming to see your tour because they saw you in fucking live at Apollo or yeah, something yeah. so they know the joke so it's like once you do it it's kind of dead yeah so it's kind of like you don't have your it's own refreshing stuff in a way then right yeah. it, 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 you've got to it, keep going there's no 
pressure on that having the same. The, the, there's a new pressure because there's a need for new stuff, but you've removed that kind of. Is he going to have to do that joke again and have he's, the crowd all know the punchline? And there's there's a huge problem with all that though, which yeah. is that. So I got a lot of shit years ago for saying like comedians are never any good after forty, right? Yeah, it wasn't actually exactly what I said. What yeah. I said was uh, comedians tend not to be any good after forty because even if they're still good, they're not creating anymore. Yeah, they're just producing. Yeah, right. So like you start off by. Like most people in comedy are people who've tried a variety of unsuccessful masks yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, in school, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And they find one that works, right? And not you, not only works, like, but it might get you laid or yeah. make you rich or whatever. Yeah. And then they've got to try and move on from that yeah. in the next show. And almost nobody can. And I think that's maybe the problem of art yeah. in general, is that art, you, you reach a certain point, it's probably like way before 40, it's probably after your initial success, yeah. where you go, well, I've, I've got to do something that that gets me those rewards or gets me that creative feeling yeah, yeah, but yeah. without touching on how I did it before yeah. which is difficult it's that thing of, of again to liken it or, or, or compare it to music is is that comparison of you've had your whole life to write your first album and then you've got to do something new that isn't just copying that isn't just versions of it but you've still as you said you've got to get that same feel and that same buzz and excitement i guess it's why a lot of the people that will be listed as the iconic and legendary comedians are ones that have died because they've not had to keep doing that they've got to do that first two or three tours and then go all right i'll see you later now i'm just gonna (laughs) fade into the background yeah and they don't have a chance to do anything shit yeah yeah. you know because that to ruin it that happens yeah (laughs) you know yeah um yeah I, i mean i think also the thing with a lot of legendary comics is they kind of were producing, but we were just into what they were producing. Yeah. There's not many people like in a, anywhere in art, you know, there's like Bowie or yeah. um, someone like that, maybe. But it's, it's, I mean, it's very hard to keep doing something different. New and interesting things. Yeah, it's, 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 it is an odd one because there is, I think, in, in comedy, there's a point where you can find, particularly when you've had a level of success, is people are then invested in you as a character and as a person mm-hmm. and then it's on you to make sure the material you're putting out is of a good quality because the fact is they're already invested in you so, so the audience isn't always going to keep you immediately informed of if you're still producing good quality because they're there to see you and deliver in the way that you deliver in the style that you deliver and not necessarily give you that critique of you're kind of resting on your laurels now or... You know. I remember like the third show I did. It's called the Last Days of Sodom. I had to go and just do a bunch of charity gigs. Yeah, because like all the gigs were just too easy. Yeah, and I tend to mostly do them in Scotland because my family's in Scotland. Yeah, she's like, well, I'm just killing everything with this stuff, but I don't think it's good enough. Yeah, and I had to go and do like oh, like some dreadful fucking yeah. shows where people would almost not even be neutral, but be sort of opposed yeah. to the idea of you being <laughs> yeah, on yeah, and yeah, sort of yeah. make it work with them. And then you think, oh, right, this is a good show now. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's, it's good to have those tests and, and pressures. I remember when I was coming up, we had um, a song called F- Fixed and it was kind of having a, a go at UK hip-hop and saying that after Dizzy, a lot of people just sounded like Dizzy and that was it. And Dizzy was exciting and yeah. then this, this, this replication came along. And... Perform that in front of our crowd a lot, and it's kind of easy. They all cheer and go, "Yeah!" And then we got asked to support a Lethal Bizzle on his album launch, right, cool. and then do O2. I think we were going on just before a, 
roll deep. Right. And again, it was like at both of those, in, at, at the Bizzle one, no one asked us, but the, at the wireless one, they said, are you going to perform that? song and they made us like sign a waiver in case it kicked off but again the point was it's like right no there's no point in doing this in preaching to the converted it's like if, if you believe this and again it wasn't meant as a as an insult it was meant as a well prove me wrong and and it has like not i'm sure it wasn't in in response to my sh- sh- shitty little song b- b- but uk hip-hop and grime has developed to have tons of voices and tons of sounds and approaches sure. so also, it, if you, if you, if you wrong, want beef, it's yeah. got to be with Roll Deep, hasn't yeah, it? Exactly. Roll Deep or uh, Roll Deep or So Solid Crew. Yeah, my yeah. Top two picks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so many of them to get in an argument with. It's, <laughs> it's easy. Um, I mean, with you on the podcast, people are going to expect us to talk about comedy, which we will, we will be doing, and we've already started to talk about um, offensiveness and the nature of offensiveness. To talk about a bit of politics, maybe, and society. But one thing that I was really excited and keen to talk to you about, which people probably aren't going to be expecting or particularly want to hear, um, <laughs> is hip-hop. Right, be- cool. Because I know you're a big hip-hop fan and yeah. I want to know what kind of stuff you're into and what, I and what got you into to, hip-hop. I just listened to that uh, No Name album today. I had got that? sent that by my brother yesterday. I haven't listened to it yet. He's, oh, he's been saying for weeks, it's absolutely yeah. amazing. It's that thing as well where it's like, you know, sometimes you hear something and you go... Oh, it's so much easier. I used to do like martial arts, like a couple of different things. Yeah. And then sometimes like the teacher just show you something, you go, oh, I'm just trying too hard. Yeah. It's all yeah. just like, and it's just like that. You just see someone going, all oh, right, that's, that's just, my mate actually was a really talented guy, but I used to be doing this, um, uh, stand up show in Scotland and he used to go to me, just watch, uh, Unplanned, that Frank Skinner and David yeah. Gale thing. Just watch Frank Skinner and that. Cause it was on like the night before we'd think, mate. Yeah. So I watched it for a couple of weeks and I was like, what's he talking about? I mean, it's all right, but it's not yeah. like what I do. And then you just start, start to see it. It's just that thing of just, oh, you don't need to try. Yeah. You need to just have faith in what you're doing and sort of let it happen. Completely. Kind of it's, it's, it's what I've always loved. And again, a lot of my f- f- fan base always get annoyed or surprised because I love Lil Wayne. Right. And I think the reason for that is... I've never heard anyone so comfortable and relaxed on the mic. And it's exactly yeah. that. It doesn't feel as if he's stewing over it all. And there was a point, I think, um, uh, one of the big hip-hop magazines had the top 100 Lil Wayne songs of 2012, I think it was, because he released more than 100 in that year. And it's, it's that the thing of, <laughs> it, there's going to be some crap there, but, yeah. but it's so comfortable and so relaxed that yeah. it's inspirational in that way and it, it gets you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I, I've heard... That no name one's fantastic. I haven't, I haven't yeah. heard a thing yet. I think some people could just have a fluency, don't they? And yeah. it's, it seems to be developing as well. Because if yeah. you look at like modern people, like say people who've come up over the last five or six years, yeah. there's people now who like, you know, anniversary of Tupac's death or whatever. Yeah. Like, Tupac's not a very good rapper. I mean, no. he's a great figure and he's a fucking, in a way, he's a great gangster rapper. And in a way, he's a I was great political say, rapper. Exactly that. I've seen, oh, with this anniversary, I've seen a lot of great posts of interviews and I've been like, Maybe I underrated Tupac because, like, like some of the interviews, it's like, wow, this dude can talk. He's amazing. But yeah, I was yeah. never that into his. <laughs> yeah, but when you hear the fluency of people, now have you had that? It's like there's one where Kendrick Lamar's on. I want to say it's called Flex FM or something. Right. Some radio show in America, yeah. but they're just showing him flashcards of words, yeah. and he just keeps rapping through it. Well, Kendrick, I think Ch- Childish Gambino is another one yeah, for yeah. me who's just got that that fl- fluency and naturalness of just. Yeah, yeah, can, and it's can maybe a kind of golden age for that in terms yeah. of like people's 
you know, actual level of rapping ability. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one because people are always like, I'll get people message me. I every there was a little period where I was at home a fair bit, and I'd I'd, I'd just found Facebook Live, and I was like, I do a few Facebook Live videos, and uh, people would regularly say, oh, "What do you think of the current state of of, of hip hop?" Yeah, yeah, and it's just the classic question, but it's like, well. It's de- it's all it's forever developing. It's forever changing. It's, it, are we talking about the mainstream? Are we talking about the underground? But your point there, I think you can't. The one thing you can't argue is the level of t- technique. Is it? Yeah. A new level, and it's it's similar to it's comparable to t- to football. Yeah. You know, you you might say that George Best is 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 the best ever, but he probably wouldn't do that great in modern football because it's got that much faster and that much more technical yeah. and things like that so yeah. it's comparable in that way but you can't yeah I'd, I'd, com- I'd completely ag- agree there people like Tech 9 and and I mean a lot of of US f- are for me but yeah just that technical ability and flow and comfort is yeah but even like British people like even yeah. grime and stuff like that you think oh, that's an amazing level of fluency yeah um, and even just amazing level of kind of basic speed they've been able to do it and yeah. focus yeah 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 one of the things like doing live at Apollo at the end of the month and it's kind of like it's comics version of like fire in the booth yeah I was going to say <laughs> fire in the booth is the prime example of there's there's so if you show that to anyone you'd argue that this is without a doubt the best time in the history of UK hip hop yeah I wouldn't say that's necessarily reflected on all albums and all releases but those fire in the booths are yeah. Just amazing, right? I, I watched the Kyalas a, a couple of times, his new one, when it came out. And you're like, fuck, what comic's putting that level of focus into it? And that's yeah. kind of my mission on this trap, is like trying to get that level of focus it's into wicked, your yeah, no, I love that. or get close to it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I completely ag- agree, and Akala's a prime example of that, where for years I wasn't that into his music. I, I've always loved him as a person, or similarly in, in, in the two-pack away I guess I've always loved him as a speaker always loved him as a person and all that and a lot of his music I thought was cool but I wasn't that into it and then every time he's done a fire in the booth it's just like wow this dude's mind is amazing if you just keep the quality in there yeah it's sort of you don't need to worry about the other stuff in your career I mean he said something like this vaguely to me but it's like you don't really need the airplay if what you're doing is like fucking hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah. people will come to your shows. Yeah, it's exactly that. He's 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 maintained the following and maintaining the live support and all that without the airplay on on, on major label yeah. backing or whatever else. Yeah, so, I don't I don't really listen to radios. I don't really know what goes on and stuff like that. Yeah. Remember one time I was in Manchester and like someone's driving by in a fucking jeep and they're playing really loud uh, an album by Trim. Yeah, do you know Trim? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, fucking hell, it's yeah. brilliant. And it sounded fucking amazing. Yeah. And you're like, um, it was that song LDN. I put it on yeah. my, um, I put it as like the intro music to one of my videos. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, you sort of think there's all that stuff out there and maybe that thing what people say what do you think the current state of UK hip hop it's kind of like saying what do you think of literature or something yeah. right? there's so much of it and it's so varied right I couldn't agree more but yeah. what they're maybe meaning is oh, what do you think of like the, the mainstream standard and you're yeah. like the mainstream standard of our culture could be so much better yeah. I mean when that album came out was it called Chelsea Smile? Yeah, that should have been like the soundtrack of the Olympics or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should have been the song at the yeah, start of the yeah, Olympics. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, I mean, it could be amazing, and it's all out there, and you feel the mainstream's just 
mainstream hedges its bets too much, you know. But that's kind of the beauty now is the power of the mainstream is sl- slipping and slipping and slipping. And I mean, if, if, if you if you look at what you'd call the mainstream in, in UK hip hop at the moment, you'd say it's Stormzy and Skepta and, right, and Boy, sure, and Boy sure. Better Know and all that. And they've become the mainstream off their own back. They've become sure. the mainstream off just putting it out there themselves. And Stormzy getting, it almost got to number one at Christmas with no label and no and no support and all this. It's like just a dude yeah. r- r- rapping in a park. And it's like, yeah. yes, that's kind of... It's, it's, it's the beauty of the internet and now, I guess, that you can kind of... It's not that same position where if it's not on Radio 1, it's not a success. You know, yeah, I also even think that's a Radio 1 thing, though. They've had to kind of step up because people yeah. are more knowledgeable now. Yeah. So Charlie Sloth is fucking very different from this other person that would have been doing that job 10 yeah, years ago. completely. Or, what's she called it? There's a game show, Shan... Yeah, that's fucking. Like, I mean, that's properly amazing every yeah. week. Yeah, and you're like, well, ten years ago, that would have been some kind of radio one DJ trying to fumble their way through what the fuck grime is, whereas she's like, I'm part yeah. of it, you know. Yeah, and it 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 would have been trying to include it in another show, if you know what yeah, I mean, yeah, rather sure. than giving it its own space and, and being able to go into depth, trying to play it next. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of what happened with a, a roll deep and stuff like that when it blows up roll yeah. deep was being played after the sugar babes and, <laughs> and stuff like this and you're like all right is that really is that what's going on here is that is yeah. this a good reflection of the scene right now but i'm yeah. glad it's happening though man because it feels like so much maybe it's because i'm old and stuff but it seems like so much fresher than what was happening like when i was like if, if i was listening to music in my 20s yeah you know, it's just like fucking wasteland uh, w- uh, what were you listening to initially? What kind of got you into hip hop? I guess, or, or was hip hop the first music that Not you were really. listening to? I was to? sort of into indie and like yeah. Smiths and all that kind of stereotypical like, English lit student. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I sort of only broadened out later in like my twenties. But yeah. I'd always heard bits of hip hop, but yeah. it's kind of whatever kind of filtered through Public Enemy, yeah, NWA, that kind of thing, and De La Soul. Again, it's at a time when you, you've not got a lot of say in that. Because we didn't yeah. have the internet and we didn't have all this, so so what you hear is what manages to make its way over, or is in this record shop, or in that sure. in that club, or whatever else. I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, so uh, let's get back onto on onto comedy and whatnot. Um, you when I started recording, I don't know if it was just before I started recording or just after. <laughs> are you were saying how you had a big period where you missed out on a lot of culture because of doing a lot of panel shows? Yeah. yeah. What is the nature of that kind of thing? Because a lot of people, it feels... Or there was a period, at least, where it felt the goal of stand-up was to get on a panel show. And, and, and you know, it, it yeah. seemed to be that thing. But then when you're on there, I'd imagine it's similar to doing... And this is going to sound really weird, but it's similar to doing something like EastEnders in that, yeah. man, you've got to a good point, but you can't do anything else at that point because it's taken up so much of your time and it's so consuming is that the case yeah absolutely and also it's that thing if you can't really do what you want to do but people sort of tell you you can't do it in a really fucking nice way yeah do you know what I mean so it's kind of like you're on a panel show going but you know, we are kind of invading Afghanistan this week. Yeah. We could we could touch on it and they're kind yeah, we've of like discussed this. They're not terrible people, but they're just kinda of, they know what the priorities of their their shows are. Yeah. And they're like, Well well, maybe we'll we'll do this Olympic story instead and you're kinda of like you just find, Well, oh, I've maybe been doing this for I was on a show uh, up in Scotland that sort of eventually went national and I kind of got dropped from it right it was called Live Flow Show right. but the, the national show went over uh, the, the ground invasion of Iraq oh wow and uh, 
I sort of got some spots on it and I was like really determined to do the stuff about Iraq, you know? Yeah. And um, the first week I got on, there used to be an icon at the back of the newscaster when they started talking about the, the war and it'd be like a missile taking off. Yeah. And I was like, why is it always a missile taking off? Why don't they... Why don't they have some honesty to that image? Why don't they show it falling on some kids? Because taking off is like the only time a, yeah. a missile looks good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like so it looks powerful and it's it's yeah. empowering. It's, it's it's going upwards in a, a positive manner, I guess. And the, the punchline bit at the end of it, which they showed, was <laughs> it's like illustrating a, a story about AIDS with a picture of a spunking cock. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things where you're like, fuck, they're never going to show that, but they did show it, right? Amazing. And weirdly, right, because mainly on Sky News, the missile taking off, they changed it. Yeah. yeah, so they changed it like pretty much the next day, and I thought, did they see that? Did they pick up on that? You that. don't know, right? Yeah, but probably, probably Constance. Uh, and then the next week, uh, they, there was a thing you won't remember this, but the government sent out a, a leaflet uh, that was like telling people what to do in the event of a terror attack. Right. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. we went in on the, the ground invasion, yeah. so the idea was to ramp up the fear. Um, yeah. And it, so I, I wrote some routine about, you know, that would have helped in 9-11, wouldn't it? You know, if you'd had a leaflet and I'd do these people running about the offices, yeah. get me the leaflet! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, right? yeah. And the BBC are just like, don't do that, right? You can't do yeah. that. And I'm sort of like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna do it, you know? And they're like, oh. don't do it. And I, I sort of think, well, they'll, they'll edit it out definitely, but I can do it in the night, you know? Yeah. I've kind of done it for principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go out and I'm just thinking, well, what can they really do? And they fucking switch the microphone off. So I'm like, no, you know, I'm just way. standing there shouting. Like, but all people can see is, like, a guy kind of screaming. Yeah. And you're like, fuck. So from that point, yeah. which is 2003, to whenever I finished doing Mock the Week, which is, I mean, that's a bunch of years later, yeah. maybe 2009 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, so that's, that's a good solid set of years that I've been sort of saying to myself... Okay, well, I'll do the jokes about Wayne Rooney this week, but what I'm really interested in is yeah. is this other stuff. Yeah, and you, you know, you eventually get to a point where you go, "Fuck, I've got to do something else." Yeah, it's 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 a weird one because, particularly on those shows that are comedy news based shows, is sadly the word comedy is at the front of that. So it's 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 not you. You're never going to win the argument of oh, we need to cover this. It's like well, no, we need to be amusing and entertaining the fact is you should be covering that but they're always going to have the argument of no it's it's an entertainment show it just happens to be topical and news based and you know i, th- I think in a way though, all those shows kind of get a hard time because they're not in a kind of healthy landscape yeah so like if you had a healthy kind of landscape in britain where you had your own kind of daily show and you had yeah you know had a, you had a, like a show that's kind of like bill, bill mayer's show like more yeah. of a discussion kind of politics show and you had this kind of vibrant Landscape. Well, it, it's bizarre that, that that um, last week t- t- tonight with John Oliver, it's one of the best p- political shows on American TV. Yeah, and John Oliver is a Brit who got on a few panel shows, but didn't really have a place over here. Yeah, he went over to America, and it's one of the biggest and, and one of the best shows, like genuinely making a change and but I, using I comedy but attacking people. It's almost like that television here kind of sees that and goes well you're kind of catered for yeah you can watch that on youtube yeah if you're interested yeah. we're going to make kind of bacon shows yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So it's almost More kind bacon of shows. it's almost kind of worked against it it doesn't feel like there's any pressure in britain to do a yeah. show type thing at all it's interesting do you think it's anything to do with the bbc because i think the bbc are fantastic and are an absolute it's, it's one of the things that makes us stand apart from america and from these other places but but equally there is a level of caution before the act 
with the BBC. And again, it's 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 what made it seem odd, or made a a you in many ways an odd choice for a panel show and things like that. Because as I said, there is stuff that you'll want to say, and the style of your act, the offensiveness worked into your act at times will be at odds at points with what the BBC will feel comfortable putting out or or pushing sure. forward. I think, I mean, I think I ended up on that one just because I'm quite good at producing loads of jokes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So if yeah. you're going to have a satirical show and cover 15 topics a week, then you yeah. sort of want someone like me Who, on there. You can come up with that qu- yeah. quickly and in time. I mean, I have this theory that the problem is that we're trying to produce culture through institutions. Yeah. There's a whole theory of... Um, David Graeber I first saw talking about this, but the idea that the idea of civilization comes from institutions, right? So it comes from like France originally, yeah. and like um, Imperial France tried to kind of as it as it saw it civilize uh, the world through its institutions. You still have all these giant institutions in France, you know, yeah. Academy Francaise and all that kind of stuff, and that culture rose up in Germany as a kind of resistance to that idea. Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, so the word culture comes from German. It's like. Um, you know, the idea that things like plays and poems and uh, opera are going to kind of provide a kind of common bond that resists this yeah, kind of yeah. institutional hegemony. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things you get when you're working in Britain, say something like the BBC, is that is an institution that's yeah. trying to provide culture. Yeah. So it's in a kind of strange It's kind position. of an oxymoron in, in yeah. its, it, it, it itself in that it's trying to produce what was meant to be the opposite of it exactly and, and actually try to produce the thing that resisted it yeah so if you if you go and do a, a stand-up show in the bbc it's not going to get the the atmosphere of a stand-up comedy club because yeah. the stand-up comedy club is kind of founded to resist yeah the bbc the, and yeah. one of the main topics in comedy clubs is television is news is you know alternative ways of looking at official yeah. narratives all that kind of stuff and you're like, so yeah. we're in this kind of tense space, but it's also it's quite an interesting space. Yeah, so I feel like you could get something interesting on there. You could do something. Yeah, it's 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 that weird. It's a weird combination that if it works, then <laughs> if it works, then the the act of the people you were created to be against, then putting you out there and giving you a leg up is the biggest a win of them all as such. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Rather than like you you've you've gone into the institution and gone. Look, here's why <laughs> culture is better. Here's, you know, and they're going, yeah, go ahead. And remember, people are all conflicted anyway. Yeah. So you yourself think half the time that you're shit and half the time you're amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. going and dealing with a bunch of people who half the time think what they're putting out on their channels is terrible and half the time convince themselves that it's good. Yeah. And there's all kinds of like conflict and self deception involved yeah. there. Yeah. I like it. So, what kind of of comedy influenced you? Kind of growing up, or got you into comedy, or, or what was your upbringing like? I guess not even. I, I, there. I um, grew up in this kind of like real nothing sort of part of Glasgow, the desert. Yeah, like Pollock Shaw is. I kind of I just spent most of my time in the library. Yeah, it was like um, comedy record section. I kind of got into it off that. It was like Peter Cook records. Yes, yeah. um, Derek and Clive Live was in yeah. a fucking library, which it's is amazing. Weird. Um, Another strong thing. argument for the importance of libraries is yeah, that yeah. they don't tend to have that kind of. There's, there's that because there's an interesting thing with libraries if, is they aren't allowed to have censorship as such. They have a certain responsibility to to, to represent things regardless of if it's for or against their their beliefs. It's it's a weird one. I only know this because there was a local author near us who. 
I think was quite controversial or quite, you know, I'll guess either in the BNP direction or in the in a terrorist right. direction. And there was big kind of debate and, and conflict over, right, we have a responsibility to reflect this. So if they've self-published something and they're a local author, then if we agree with it or not, there's a responsibility to, to have it there available. Sure. If that's, that's wanted. So I love the fact that you'd get Derek and Clive live and just stuff that you wouldn't be able to get in a lot of places because it'd be seen as offensive or... It's a free-for-all. But yeah. like when you're like 14 and you're yeah. like finding out about sex through yeah, like yeah, yeah, terrible yeah. sex scenes and thrillers and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and tracking them down. Yeah. So, 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 so was there... A, a, was the boredom and, and the lack of, of anything to do in the, in the area you, you grew up, something that kind of inspired you to, to create, to, <coughs> to do something creative? If there's nothing... If there's none... If there's not much entertainment, then you need to make that entertainment yourself. Totally, man. I was always like quite isolated as a person. I had like a few friends at school and stuff, but as I was, like a phenomenon, like my friend Martin Big Pig, he's a comic, he's pointed this out to me. Sometimes when you're comparing comedians in clubs, they're just quite poor faced or whatever in the yeah. green room. And then before they go on, they'll come out and they'll sort of um, they'll watch a bit of the show and they'll start off a bit face and then they'll start really laughing and yeah. kind of getting into it and it's almost like they're laughing themselves into a space yeah. where they can go and perform and yeah, be part yeah. of the evening yeah. but I almost feel like that on a kind of macro level like yeah. maybe I got into comedy because I felt kind of outside of society almost right. of people and it's a way of kind of like laughing myself into yeah. it and going well I can do something and I can sort of communicate to you through these jokes in a way that I can't yeah. necessarily do to, to warm you to the idea of other humans to, yeah. to, to, to go, out there, go out there and have a laugh with them and go oh they're alright yeah. <laughs> they're not so bad as I thought it's a big thing for me as well is it, why I've kept going the last couple of years I think it keeps me like socially yeah. awake because like, my instinct would be to like not see anybody yeah. <laughs> apart from yeah. my kids do you know what I mean uh, I hear that I got off this fucking thing that. it was like Channel 4 wanted to do a show it was called Alone right yeah. and they were like uh, you you can choose where you go like a fucking lighthouse or a, a desert oh, island wow. or whatever and they'll film you for as long as you can be alone and like my agent was going you don't want to do that do you and I was like are you fucking kidding they'll be digging me out in there like Rambo yeah. you know they'll be trying <laughs> yeah. to extract me from that fucking island yeah yeah and they, they had this thing like, how long do you think you could do six days or something I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> fucking much it's heaven yeah yeah I completely understand that. I had my, I had, um, I'm off from touring and everything at the moment. Now I'm, I'm exactly the same in that way, except I don't have the family, so it's real beautiful aloneness. Um, right. And and I had, I had the book tour coming up, and I, I was finding myself really looking forward to the book tour, and I couldn't figure out why. It was like, I'm driving around the country myself, it's not that decadent and all this. And it was exactly that. I was like, all right, hang on, I'm going to be around a lot of people, and it's work, so I can justify that i have to be i can't just go oh, i don't i don't fancy it i can't be asked i'll stay at home instead i have to be there but it was that thing of going around the country and and, t- and talking to people and engaging and having that yeah. that forced interaction which was appealing right yeah sure so what's um you've you've also i mean you've spoken about it b- before you've had you've battled with 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 alcohol right. um how does touring kind of work with that because i'd imagine initially touring if 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 you've got a drink problem is is the perfect companion you know it's the perfect place to constantly have a reason to to have a drink you've just done a gig that's a reason to go out and get drunk you just but if you're doing gigs every night then that becomes 
yeah. problematic. I mean, it's just so dead for me. I mean, I never really think about drinking anymore. Yeah. But like, at the time, like, I was in clubs and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So it was a hard first year because you're around it and people yeah. are pissed and your social life never really recovers. Like, yeah. no one sort of admits to that. But like, it just doesn't. Like, that yeah. thing when you go to a party and like, you're not into it, but you have two drinks and then suddenly have a good time. Yeah. That's just never going to happen anymore. Yeah. So if course. you go and you're not into it, just go home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting though because it, 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 again, I've, Got, I'm I'm at a point where I'm not particularly interested in in drinking, and I completely understand that it means there's a lot. I it, it, I argue it's a good thing, but it means on a lot of nights out, I'll stay for a bit, and then I'll go right, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna head off now, mm. rather than that that false. I'm gonna dr- drink until this is enjoyable, and you know you quite quite happily go. This has been fine. Here's something you're not really supposed to say, right? But I'm don't mind the fact that I was an alcoholic. Right, Like, yeah. it kind of opened me up a bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I wonder if I would have been almost a complete hermit yeah. without it. So I wouldn't recommend anyone sure. feels like that as a teenager fucking tries to blast their way through but, with booze. But no, that's interesting because it's if you take away taboos, that's all a quite a natural process of if you were quite isolated in your youth and then you've you found comedy and socialising. Drink comes hand in hand with that. And again, if it's that thing of if if you felt comedy was um, a nice avenue to make you more relaxed and comfortable with people, then alcohol, damn sure, sh- sure is going to be an avenue to make you more relaxed and more sure. uh, more okay with with people. So it's it's a natural a, a route there, I guess, until you get to that point. Which again, the the dangerous part is is some don't and can't walk away. But until you get to that point where you can go. Right, I get it all now. I've I've, I've seen it. I get yeah. that scene. I get that that area and that idea. I'm now comfortable to remove alcohol from it. And well, I've done that with most drugs. Yeah. So like, I was a stoner for a couple of years. Yeah. And it really helped with writing of learning how to think associatively. Yeah. I've got a mate, Glenn Will. He says he hates like people smoking grass because it's just like a businessman's way of thinking, like him. He's like, look, you can think associatively, you can have ideas, it's just that you train yourself not to, Love and it. you need to have the joint yeah. to, to get back in the thing. It's yeah. like, you can just abandon the joint and just think like this. Yeah. You know? I love that. That's genius. I, again, I know a lot of, of rappers in that who need to have a smoke to, mm-hmm. to, to write and need to have a smoke to, to get into that headspace. But yeah, I'm, every drug I've ever done, I've, I don't do any drugs now, but I think I've learned from all of them. And again, you're kind of not meant to say that, but I think you should should be allowed to say that, and that should be acceptable, because I've learned good and bad from all of them, but they've all influenced me, and none of them have have broken me as such. So it's kind of a positive (laughs) thing to come out the other end and go... Yeah, I've, I've I've benefited from that. It's put I me in the like place they were going to break me a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, that I happens. Took a massive dose of acid one time by yeah. mistake, and it was like um, just way way too much. Yeah, and like I thought this would be like a right good creative idea. Yeah, because um, I've only really taken it like a few times. This is years ago, but I thought I'll get in the notebook, I'll take this dose, I'll you know, and all the notes in my book, I've still got it. Are things yeah. like you don't have the uh, intellectual strength to take acid, and then like fucking the handwriting just starts to dissolve. You know, <laughs> that's beautiful. You see, yeah. as the acid is is my, is 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 my favourite drug. Right. Um, I've never had a bad trip, right. and that's why I have no desire to ever do it again. Because right. everyone else I know who's ever got into it has, at some point, had a bad time on it. Right. So it's kind of for, for me, it's like right, I've got away with that. I've yeah. kind of I've I've come in and enjoyed it, 
it's it's inevitable. It's 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 going to go bad at some point, but as it hasn't yet, let's call it a day. There, <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I sort of think. I think acid's a bit of a closed circuit. So yeah. it's all what's going on in you. Yeah. So like when people talk about taking mushrooms, which I never really did to any yeah. extent, but they talk about being connected to something, or ayahuasca, they talk about being yeah. connected to something outside of themselves. Yeah. Acid is very much in you. Yeah. And you sort of like, I once took such a massive dose that I thought I could hear the subroutines of my own kind of like language Amazing. programs. And I can I could hear that it's like almost like a Scottish voice just talking in various kind of joyce and gibberish underneath my thoughts oh, wow. kind of thing and it, my my instinct is that's probably real there probably is some kind yeah. of like sublinguistic circuit yeah. Yeah. there that offers us kind of choices almost like autocorrect yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah and uh i don't really want to know about it yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's best to, to not know you can completely right though like the first time you do acid if you're with mates and that you're all kind of less Let's fuck with each other. Let's mess. Let's freak out, Chris. Let's 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 freak. Yeah. And the moment you realise it's about, in a way, messing with yourself, is the moment it becomes a far bigger and a, a more worthwhile, potentially scary thing. That yeah. is, it's like right. Actually, forget fucking with these other idiots. I can mess about with them all the time. At this point, I can access parts of myself that I generally couldn't or wouldn't. I'd be able to. I sort of almost think they're like lazy ways of reprogramming yourself. Yeah. So I like, I listen to a lot of Terence McKenna and right. um, uh, Timothy Leary and things yep. like that. Yep. And like, as I've got older, I kind of think, well, those were guys who were kind of from a science background, particularly Leary. Yeah. And like acid comes along and they're like, suddenly they've gone from, they would have had quite an almost 1950s life. Yeah. He was an academic, I can't yeah. remember what he was doing, psychology or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, he goes from that to suddenly, like, prancing about in a toga, yeah. fucking, like, the students. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you can see why he's evangelical about it, and you can see yeah. why Mike McKenna's evangelical about it. But at the heart of it is the fact that they're maybe not the most creative people. They're maybe sort of, like, more scientifically, rationally minded yeah. than you would hope, and that they've, they've found something that kind of liberates them from... Yeah. Completely, or, or, or Leary at the end of his life said that his big r- regret was popularising a drug and not popularising the culture. Right. So, it, and again, it's that that thing of I think he initially, I think in the end he probably got to that kind of oh this is a, a spiritual thing if you believe in spirituality, but just as a term I guess mm-hmm. this is a spiritual thing and all that. And that was the bit he didn't really get to push. He pushed the kind of look at this. This is. Amazing, <laughs> and didn't push the wow. This can be a really powerful and in, in, in important thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big thing I took from them is that there are changes you can make. Like, yeah, but without even doing that. Yeah. So, like, you know, you can change your life. You don't need to be fucking high all the time. No, it's, I mean, that's a it's it's, it's a very a, a valid point, and I think we've just about tiptoed through the area of drugs and alcoholism. <laughs> we're not particularly saying anything that I feel is too outlandish. So I don't know, in modern Britain you might get arrested or something. Yeah, like years ago, like Chris Evans said he did mushrooms and like there was things in the tabloids to... Yeah. And I think he sort of said years ago I did mushrooms. Yeah. And you're kind of like, is that a... I remember when it was... Uh, I think it was a member of E17 said they did pills or something. And it's like, well, because it's a do. band. They're a touring <laughs> act. It's like, yeah. why should this be a... Controversy. That's, that's absolutely outrageous. Um, I mean, that brings us nicely onto offensiveness and and and, and controversy. So, which is is something that you've uh, been heavily involved 
within your career, I guess. Um, yeah. On your on your approach to writing, what draws you towards what could be perceived as as a, as, a, as offensive? I just don't think about it. Yeah, I'm generally trying to communicate something else. Yeah, and like I think sometimes people mistake what their personal taste is. Yeah, for something that's more of a, more rigid. I think also there's just a general thing of our culture where it's like we we live in quite an immoral society. Yeah, right? so part of our tax goes to fucking killing people. To yeah. Yeah, helping companies export arms to Saudi Arabia, they kill Yemenis with, to building fucking nuclear subs, all this stuff, right? Yeah. We don't live in a particularly moral society. So we push our morality onto our taste. Yeah. How, how do I become moral? Where it's, well, it's because, you know, I watch these good films, not these bad films like you. I watch yeah. the, the interesting programmes on BBC Four, not yeah. the, the bad programmes on BBC One. And you're like... Yeah. These these are all elements of your personal taste. It's not to say that one thing isn't more worthwhile than another. No. It's just that morality isn't involved. Completely. And it's, it's almost like the idea... Remember at school, you'd be like, oh, those people like fucking the Stone Roses. I like the Smiths because yeah. I'm fucking better than them. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, that's the most stupid fucking mindset. But it's almost the whole cultural mindset. Of, yeah. Oh, oh I, don't, I don't watch fucking, you know... Uh, whatever the latest ITV murder drama is, I yeah. watch the Scandinavian murder yeah, dramas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, there's, there's no moral and, difference. And it's, 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 it's such a crazy thing now. And again, it's going to be down to the, 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 the easiness to share everything on social media and whatnot, that it does all become a badge. And it does all become a, you might not want to admit that, that you watch this or watch that. It's like, well, number one, you don't have to admit shit. Just, just you know, just just do it and enjoy it. It doesn't have to be a declared public thing. But, 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 but number two, as you said, there shouldn't be any shame in this. It shouldn't be a case of if you watch this, you're better or you're more sure. atoned. And a lot of it, a lot of the time, they're not even telling the truth. So a lot of the time, they are watching the TV yeah, fucking yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. And they just have this outward pose of I, these are the things you're supposed to like. I loved it when I had Kathy Burke on the podcast, and I was asking her kind of. I think we got onto just what she's into on TV at the moment. And it was all reality TV and, right. and, and, and Love Island and stuff like that. And it was like, fucking good on you then. And no shame or no awkwardness. She's like, oh, it's mental to watch all these people just acting. It's like, when yeah, you know, yeah. the smartest person I know just watches fucking uh, Geordie Shore all the time. Yeah. And he's yeah, just yeah, fascinated. Yeah, yeah. Was it like a sociologist or something? A, a Geordie Shore, a weirdly, is the one of those shows that I got really into for a period. And it's because a, a girl I was going out with was into it. And I did the exact thing. I watched the first couple and I was like... these people just kind of of looking down my nose and by three or four I loved all of them I was like they're all adorable I want to help them and look after them (laughs) yeah yeah is that a fucking thing of like people just manufacture their own stereotypes now don't they so there's one where someone's going you've got to have fake tan or you're not a Geordie and you're like what since when mate when the fuck did Geordies start bleaching their assholes mate I live in Essex and suddenly Essex has become this incredibly bling and tan and, and, and wealthy and Posh area, or you know what I mean? That kind of well, I mean, rich. Like, nah, I mean, up there to the only base Essex for a thing, right? Yeah. And my impression was those are all like the families of gangsters. Yeah. So they've all moved out to Essex. This isn't mentioned in the show, but yeah, you'll get yeah. someone going, I'm going to buy a fucking five grand watch. And you're like, how? You just seem to fuck about and yeah, yeah. run a club yeah, night yeah, in a yeah, pub. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's because our family are all sort of gangsters. Yeah. So I go to one of these. Um, 
things, you know, these beauty salons where they do all this stuff. Yeah. And there's no fucker there. And I'm sort of saying to the guy, well, how does this make money kind of thing? And he's just looking at me like a minute. I'm like, oh, right, is this like a fucking money laundering thing? It's yeah. a whole thing. <laughs> just like, there's a whole of Essex, just like a big fucking money laundering operation. The biggest, or, or that whole show being a massive money laundering, <laughs> like really <laughs> hide it in plain sight. Just yeah. kind of, let's, let's launder it all on national TV. That's... Could well be. Yes, yeah, but the whole Vajazzle scene and all that. Who the fuck has a Vajazzle done? Yeah. It's just like a, a giant macro money laundering operation. Yeah, yeah. It's a mystery. I like it. So um, I can't remember uh, uh, where we started uh, uh, with that. But, but, but yes, so when writing and, and, and creating, there's no over over caution even on, on, on offence. Because I'd imagine the... The first few times you you have something that, that bl- 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 blows up in the media or people g- get annoyed at, it's probably equal measures excitement and oh fuck, have I? That's no, no excitement, I, man. There's no, no excitement because you have your crowd who understand what you're doing, and yeah. if you think they're not, you can change the routine. Yeah, yeah. Until you think they've they're fucking tuned in, they get the right message through the media. I mean, how the fuck are you going to communicate anything through? Yeah fucking tabloids they, A they don't want to fucking communicate what you're saying yeah. B they're hysterical you can't talk to anyone who's hysterical you know so you're just like holy fuck I can't wait till that ends yeah. there's like no excitement yeah yeah completely and it, and again it's that thing of tackling tough and, and, and uncomfortable subjects I think is hugely important in, in art in comedy in all these things I'm a big fan of of, 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 of yourself of Doug Stanhope of, of, of Anthony Jezelnik and people who yeah. will touch on will say some really harsh shit but it's incredibly well crafted and it's making a point and it's, it's leading in a direction but it's then also easy for people to grab some of it out of context out of the the moment of that show out of that performance and suddenly it's this I horrendous think, offensive thing I think I always try and make a point but it's dangerous to concede that you should always be making a point. Yeah. Because the minute you concede that you should always be making a point, you start to very quickly get to, well, what was the point? It's not right. an easy enough or gettable enough point yeah. for yeah. that to have been worthwhile, yeah. right? There's not enough kind of takeaway value. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's quite dangerous because lots of art has a point that, is, that isn't a very easy point to get. Like yeah. if you read like Bukowski or something, yeah. you might have to read a few of those before yeah, you really yeah, start yeah. to understand what he's on about. Patricia Highsmith is another one. She writes those like Ripley, or she wrote those Ripley books. Right. They were like, um, it's all about this fucking um, mad serial killer yeah. uh, over the decades who sort of goes and steals identities yeah, and yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. lives this very decadent lifestyle in France and stuff. It's only like really when you're in the middle of the third one where you go, Oh, I've been drawn into complicity with this. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm rooting for this guy and she's kind of making me see, it's almost like American Psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And you, you're like, well, that's that's not really the most upfront or gettable point to have. Yeah. But there is something to it. Yeah. And I think the minute we sort of say, oh, but I, what I really meant was something nice, you know, then art has kind of yeah. abandoned a lot of the interest in space. Yeah. And, and then that makes a perfect sense i always remember at at the end of one of anthony jeselnik's more recent shows he was saying again number one he jokes about what the fuck he wants to joke about and if you find it offensive then you then you're an idiot and you can go elsewhere but he was saying how he gets a lot of stick because he'll make jokes on on twitter he's quite known for doing an offensive joke on the day of a tragedy yeah and his argument was 
the people getting offended by that aren't involved in the thing I'm joking about. Because if it's the day after a tragedy, you've got more important, and you're involved, you've got more <laughs> important things than to be on, like you're not on Twitter seeing what jokey t- t- tweets are about. And equally, the people tweeting outpourings of their heart and emotion aren't involved. Because the people who that they would want to read that have got more shit to deal with than to be on Twitter to go, well, it is sad that my whole family have died, but a lot of people have put some, some nice tweets out. So, you know, I know it man. makes it okay. Yeah, I think it's like to try and be generous. I think it's that people are trying to show empathy. Yeah. So they go, oh, you know, you, you did a joke about the Paralympics, and I like Paralympians, and I sort of want to show that I'm a good person. Yeah. And and you're like, well, you know, we both do. Yeah. You, you've just you've just decided to to try and uh, show empathy. You've not often one of the things is you've not heard the fucking thing. Yeah. That's the <laughs> yeah. main thing. You get the most, the more flack. You get the less people will have heard the thing completely, and you can't and it's really. It's the same with any TV show, any radio spot, any yeah. of that. The people that are in the most, the most outraged are the people who haven't actually watched it in its entirety, which is infuriating. But also, you can't come out and defend it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because the minute you defend it, the, well, the obvious thing if you're a comedian is they go, "Well, it's not very funny." I mean, and you're like, yeah. "Well, it's not now. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. now that yeah. someone's like introduced it." Like, when you see this, right? Yeah. Like a fucking mermaid doesn't look very good on the autopsy table. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. it had its yeah. fucking beautiful moment. You should have seen it in the wild. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you I think th- that's a, a a problem with the way, or a, an, another problem is it's, it's kind of something we started. Whereas, as we'll start. To, to wrap up sh- shortly a problem with the way things can be shared so much now that it's not just those people who are experiencing it in the club on that night at that moment it can now be either a film or a clip or even just a tweet sharing it out of context can take it out of this room and out of this context and out of its original place and being sure i mean it's it, you try and create that context but there's also the thing of like you it's not just a fucking carte blanche like yeah. what we do. It's quite. It's got to be like you've got to have some ideas of privilege, and you've got to have some ideas of why you're allowed to say certain things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, there's um, the famous Lenny Bruce routine where he he goes on and goes, "How many niggers are yeah. in here tonight?" Yeah. And you're like, you understand what he's saying and what he's talking about in terms of context, but at the same time, you couldn't have had a black comedian go on at that point in the United States and say how many yids are in here tonight yeah. because of you know, he had a privilege that they didn't have. And yeah, he's sure. That's, before yeah, those ideas correct. came along. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's trying to do the right thing, but he doesn't have all the tools for it. Yeah. You know, George yeah. Carlin as well. George Carlin has a famous routine about it's all context. Um, and he goes, like, you know, um, we don't mind when black people call each other niggers. And he sort of talks about Eddie Murphy and yeah. Richard Pryor and goes, we don't, we don't mind when they say it because they're niggers. Right. And that's obviously like, I don't think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. don't think it is all context. Yeah. The context has been established outside yeah. Carlin's show by, yeah. you know, centuries of fucking oppression. The context of that word has been established somewhere course, else and yeah. he can't just suddenly go, what's this? And the yeah. reason he thinks he can is because of privilege and he's probably the greatest comedian ever. Yeah. So we're all kind of like, we're all kind of trapped by our own ideas of privilege. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think, there are people, as as you said, Carlin and and, Le- and Lenny Bruce, who've who've done amazing work. I think there's been a, there's a a one of Doug Stanhope's 
uh, routines as well where they're 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 constructed fantastically and can get can get to that point and and can can get that across because of how well thought out they are and how how put together but even then as you've just just highlighted it comes because they can get away with that because of this position of privilege um it's when people think that that and again you'll possibly have had this as well is that it's when people think that it's just a case of saying something offensive or just a ca- and not seeing the craft or art art behind it um the example i had i i honestly don't think the guy um i could be wrong but the kramer from seinfeld oh yeah i don't think he's racist i think what probably happened in that situation was he tried to do a lenny bruce or a george carlin and make some kind of point but he did it off the cuff on a whim and it wasn't constructed it didn't work it was incredibly offensive and it was inappropriate so it was quite interesting what he did after that i didn't really see the the clip of him yeah doing it there's like a little clip of it so you yeah. can't really get the full context but interestingly that's afterwards, it you've only got the point once he snapped on the clip it's only yeah. that bit where he's already at that point yeah but there's he come, comes on some big chat show in america because obviously seinfeld gets him on it because they've yeah. got their yeah. fucking syndication yeah, 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 yeah. uh what about so he pops up and uh, he says yeah you know i'm just worried about this terrible problem of racism in our society and where it comes from and stuff like that and yeah. you're like no, this is not what anyone's worried about, mate. They're worried about you. You know, so you're yeah. trying... You're, you know, it's that very thing, oh, I wonder why this issue exists in our society kind of thing. <laughs> so in a way, you sort of whoa, think, you've, whoa, got whoa. To, you've got to fucking own it, mate. Yeah, You've yeah. got to fucking just, you know, either explain or don't explain, but yeah. don't go, what is this terrible thing? In Ignore the, the actual issue that... Or the actual incident and talk about the, the wider issue and the wider problem. It doesn't really I think, wash. like, this, this thing with, like, George Carlin, Stanhope, Bill Hicks, people like that... Um, they really don't give a fuck. Yeah. So there's the idea of privilege, right? But there's also the fact that those people come from, particularly George Carlin, comes from like a point before our modern history. He comes from yeah. like a child of the fifties, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So he's part of that whole nineteen sixties rebellion. Yeah. And he gets arrested with Lenny Bruce. And obviously um, he's travelled even further back in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Exactly. So, so he's, he's, he's been through all... He's, he's got the, the complete gambit of history, but yeah. But there's, there's like um, a thing now, I think, where it's very hard to be that far out of society. Yeah. So if you look at, like, there was a thing where the American military got all the uh, sort of satirical comedy presenters to do this thing, 20 push-ups for the military. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, like, John Stewart, yeah. Stephen Colbert, I think John Oliver did a like, yeah. comedy version or something. And you're like, well, that's, like, the defining taboo of your society, right? You can't be anti-military in the yeah. US, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, you might get killed if you were fucking anti-military You know US. what? It's an interesting one because that's that's something that goes around on, on, on social media at the moment. And it's... it's t- 22 push-ups because it's 22 servicemen t- t- take their own life. I think it's every day in America or right. a former serviceman. So is it more of a veterans thing? It's more of a veterans thing. thing, but it is an interesting one because I got nominated for that recently and haven't th- done it because, I mean, just I want to put it out there initially, I could do 22 push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it was that thing of personally, I'm against all of the recent wars yeah. and it's the same thing again I've, uh, it's a tough one I always I, I try and I try not to get in arguments now on, on, on Remembrance Sunday of any of that or any of that because I do think there are 
countless absolute heroes in our history who have gone to war and given their lives for our freedom, for everything else. But equally, when it's a blanket thing of this is for the veterans and this is for that, I also think in wars there's been some nasty, fucking horrible, villainous people on the British side, on the American side, doing horrendous things that I think are unforgivable. So for me, when it's a blanket thing of this is for our soldiers, it's like... All right, well, which ones? Like, like, which soldiers am I doing this for? Am I doing a push-up for someone who raped a Vietnamese whole family? Because I don't want to do a, a push-up for them. Am I doing it for the guy who died for our... In that case, yes, I'll do as many as you want. But do you know what I mean? It's that weird thing of it's, it's a non-specified thing. And yeah, I just had that reason where I was nominated and just kind of ignored it because I was like, well, yeah. I don't want to do a video against it because, again, I'm, that's not my point. And it's, sure. I think it's a good cause if you support it. I'm, I don't want to be that guy that's going, fuck the 22 veterans that killed because that's not the case. That's a terrible number and a terrible sure. statistic. But equally, I couldn't balance it out in my own head of like, right, who is this for? Well, there's that thing, isn't there, where like, propaganda tends to be very simple and emotive yeah. and like any kind of like interest and response to it tends to be reasoned and sophisticated yeah. so yeah, you're yeah, kind of like yeah, 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 you're always yeah. on the fucking losing side someone's shouting and you're like well it's not quite actually it's more complex than that <laughs> I'd like to see them get fucking Bill Hicks to do 22 push-ups <laughs> that would have been amazing putting his fag out on the downstroke <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fantastic um, well I'll start to wrap things up we're at the hour mark kind of I want to know like what's ahead and what and what's the plan. Obviously, we've not touched upon as, as, as so much because, as well as stand up, you've done a lot of writing, you've done TV stuff. Yeah. So, what's kind of the the main focus at the moment? Yeah, I was reading some columns and that kind of ended, um, which is a bit sad because I was, was like... a big fan of. And sorry to jump in and interrupt, but when I had my I had a comic book out on Titan, and it was at the same time that I that they were doing Clint magazine uh-huh. and I was getting all of them and, and you had in issue a one your Rex Royd yeah yeah a comic which I loved I thought was was great did, did that they might they might still bring it out so there's like 70 odd pages of it drawn yeah and I wrote the rest of it but yeah the, the artist was doing something else and they couldn't get the I really enjoyed it it was ex- it. exciting at the time I was like My- f- 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 Frankie Boyle's Doing a comic. This is this is fascinating. <laughs> my guess is it. My guess is it'll probably come out yeah. in the next couple of years. Like yeah. they'll probably eventually get it together to fucking draw the last bit of it. I but mean, it goes they are on, tw- on they are on Twitter. So if everyone wants to hassle Titan to get yeah, to, to get on with that, then then go right ahead. It's like you know a few weeks work, and then you yeah. can have a really impenetrable comic. Yeah, but I was kind of like trying to aim for. You know that idea that comics have kind of all been done? Yeah. And like Alan Moore's pastiched every type of yep. comic hero and yep. every yep. analogue yep. of um, heroes has been done. So I was trying to do something that was kind of more like a poem because it would right. like kind of make poetic sense. Yeah. Um, and it would be quite kind of emotive and evocative without yeah. sort of having a any real kind of linear narrative yeah. sense. So it goes pretty fucking mental. Nice. And I was writing, I was writing these columns for The Guardian. I thought I'd doing them as a book... But I kind of then, I just couldn't keep writing for them because the editing process just took too long. So oh, I was really? saying to them, like, if I can do this in a day, you know, then I can do it. But like you're spending a day writing it and two days arguing about the word bummed or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Quite interesting, you know, because people think in a <laughs> propaganda model, don't they? You often feel people on the left, particularly online, are like, oh, they won't print anything good about Corbyn or whatever. You're like, they will. I mean, they don't really care if your column fits in their ideology at all yeah. what they really care about is words 
language yeah. and imagery to a certain extent and they don't want anything too extreme in terms of language or imagery or whatever it's fascinating isn't it how 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 the specific terms or phrases are more important than the actual the message that you're putting across i did when it was like the, the, theresa may's tarot of you know said like she like yeah. normally the tory cabinet has to be follow this tarot like an yeah. occult system i do all these fake tarot uh, people that are just members of the Tory cabinet. Yeah, right? yeah. I can't remember what they are, right? But uh, the last one was and the bummed man, right? So yeah. just alluding to the fact that there's often been one cabinet minister who's a closet homosexual, yeah, yeah. right? And there isn't anymore, right? So that's, yeah. that's the idea. And they said this is like an attack on survivors of abuse because, like, you know, those people would have been like abused at public school and would have oh, ended wow. up being like gay because they were abuse survivors and I was sort of like you're going so far out of your way to get offended yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just I applaud the effort you've gone to be offended yeah. here but damn but in the end you're just like well I can't do this every week because I've got kids yeah and it just ends up when you're in the supermarket on a Wednesday and the phone goes and it, uh, Charlotte doesn't like menopause <laughs> <laughs> I can't it's hard to explain to people who don't write jokes as well that you're going it's not really journalism I can't just fit, fill in another sentence it's yeah. got to be a kind of funny sentence yeah so that's fucked. Yeah. But to a certain extent, I probably should have kept doing it. I've played myself. Yeah. Because, like, there's nowhere else to write for that kind of I, I agree with politically. So. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it's, it's, it is one of them. Is, I said, if you could... The beauty of, 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 of literature now, if you could put them into a book, then you would have that freedom and you would have... Or potentially have that, that freedom to say what you want, how you want, but it's a case of if, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe it's like you put it out as a book and, like, say what you really meant as footnotes or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's actually quite a fucking weird here's, position. Here's, here's, the, here's the original story. Here's what I meant to, here's, yeah. here's what I meant to say. I used to try and get them to redact it. So I've done, like, loads of columns over the years yeah. and when people would start, like, getting really annoyed about anything, I would go, could you just redact it and we'll see what it looks like? And it only ever happened once. I had, like, column for the Metro for a few weeks yeah. and they printed one that was, like, redacted and they just, like, dropped out, fucking blacked out words out of it. Brilliant. And it looked mental, but you're like, yeah, this is... We're actually quite a heavily moderated society. We think of it as very that. free... That's fascinating. Because, again, to, to loop it back to, 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 to hip-hop, it's, it's, it's what kills me when when hip-hop was at its peak on, on Radio R1 and whatnot, and they're playing Eminem, and more than half of it is bleeped out or yeah. reversed. It's, it's like, like moss, you wouldn't wasn't it? D- d- do that in print or in literature. Or they did, obviously. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of the view of it. But, but you wouldn't just... You'd, you, you'd just not print it. Or you'd just not have it, rather than go, here's here here it is, but we can't print this, 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 and this. I find it amazing that way rappers have trained themselves not to do the swear word. Yeah. <laughs> And the pff- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah the restraint you know? displayed is yeah. impressive, at and times. the fucking explosiveness yeah. behind it. Do you know what I mean? It's mental. I love it. But yeah, so so, is there more? Is there another tour ahead? Is yeah, there so another- I'm, I'm trying to stand up at the moment just for yeah. the few wee things I'm doing. I'm doing a special in the US election and um, a couple other retail things. But the idea is that like the end of next year to do a tour. I'm doing quite short, short. I'm trying to keep them short. Yeah. tours. Um, it's going to be called Prometheus. Yeah. I'm just going to have like, a really patronising picture of me like bringing knowledge <laughs> to mankind just to <laughs> fucking annoy everybody. <laughs> I love it, I love it. So, so where can, can people keep up to date on everything, on all the tours and whatnot? How do you find a social media? I know you're on it, but again, I'd imagine it's a... 
I go, I go through periods of just giving my mate all the passwords to do the stuff and he d- sort of puts up what I tell him to. Yeah, yeah. He just can't look at it, you know, and just lets him sort of... I was going to say, it's constant f- feedback and it, it can be... I just think it, like, particularly Twitter will just die out for that reason. No one wants yeah. that level of feedback. No one yeah. wants to go, oh, I fucking really enjoyed that album and have a hundred people do yeah. shit. I mean, I, just like, pointless. Again, it's a weird one. It's it's not always easy. Like, I understand you handing it over to someone else at points because it's not always easy to, even though you're aware of how pointless it is, it's not always easy to write it off in that manner. There could, no. the, the, there will be something that will get under your skin or get make you question things or, or things like that it's a weird I think also the internet in general although it does make us shallower we do know more little bits of stuff yeah do you know what I mean so like although it's like not productive and you would be better reading a book at the same time do you know what I mean it's, someone sent me a meme today about uh, the Malaysian emergency or the, the Malaya emergency yeah. like when Britain had that crackdown in Malaya after the war yeah and I now know like in half an hour like quite a few interesting things about that yeah, yeah. and in the old days that would have been like totally the preserve of academics or whatever yeah you would never have, have known that yeah. it's a weird one man I, th- I think it encourages us to be l- we have access to more information but we're incredibly we're ten times more l- lazy about receiving it like it needs to be in a meme or something if, if that had been an article I might not have got around to reading it yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of handy in a little, in a a, a bullet point meme or something. I worry like. about that whole like, how do we fucking advertise this idea though as well? Because then yeah. we've just become them. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, well, I hate all this consumer culture. How do I design a, a little advert type thing that'll tell people it's wrong? And you're like, no, yeah. they're fucking in it. I was, I was saying, I was discussing on on one of the podcasts that I've contemplated starting to write a TED talk about how pointless TED Talks are. Just because I've, I've, I've been asked two or three times to do a TED Talk and I don't think I've got anything to say in that context. Like, there's nothing... Every time they've asked me, it's like, well, no, I've not got anything I immediately feel I can educate you all on or, again, turn up as Prometheus and pass m- my knowledge on to you. Yet, they keep asking me and it, it, it worries me because you then see that when TED Talks started, there was tons of amazing stuff. But now there's a lot of people who are just like, oh, I want to get up and tell people stuff. It's like... Have you actually got something to say, or have you just got the opportunity to say something? Therefore, you're finding a, sure. a, a, a something to say. Sure, which is a tough one to highlight from someone who does an hour podcast every week. So, <laughs> I may not always have something to say. Yeah, man. There's that thing, though, isn't enough where like language might just be decorative. So, you know, like Chomsky's yeah. theory of language, and so Terence McKenna talks about this as well. This is not like really a you, 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 uh, utilitarian kind of idea. You know, the idea yeah. that we have that we were chimps and we went, oh, we need to tell the other chimp there's fucking yeah. water over there yeah. or whatever right, or for, you know we're cavemen or whatever and we, we, we need to say there's good hunting over there yeah. that's not really it and it actually sort of evolved as a kind of just a kind of way of showing a off flourish yeah. and the, the um, utility is like very far down the list yeah Chomsky almost says it's got no utility at all um, and you it's sort of think yeah that's that's kind of maybe weird over at that end of it yeah. <laughs> there's actually no fucking point to this yeah I think it, it could be true it is a luxury and a a decadence. It was interesting. I had a guy on last week who's 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 deaf, um, always got partial hearing. But um, and he was discussing how how when he learned a, a BSL, the whole language of British Sign Language, it's incredibly simplified. It doesn't have all the flourishes that we have as as people speaking because it's functional. Mm-hmm. It's you want to 
say as quickly and as easily as possible go over there again almost not to compare the deaf to cavemen i don't want any extra contra- <laughs> a controversy here but it's it's that far more literal of go over there and do that or or high out and so on and so forth rather than all these all these de- decadent flourishes well they have to be like um they have to have a lot of compound stuff as well so yeah. they have like bsl interpreters yeah for um uh, every tour yeah and um i had a joke in the last tour it was like um uh, I was doing a bit like uh, Islamic State kind of went for independence better yeah. than Scotland did do you know what yeah, I mean yeah, and yeah. I sort of go like they weren't worried about currency union when I'm doing the, the gig right. in Scotland yeah. I'd do someone from IS going what will we use for currency journalists yeah. good idea <laughs> but there's no like BSL thing for journalists it's got to be someone who writes in a newspaper thing right and apparently by the time you do that the fucking joke's gone yeah and I said to her just go white people because <laughs> it's like <laughs> you couldn't say that but it's only going to be for like the deaf audience kind of thing and we get to that bit in the thing and I go journalist you just hear this huge kind of deaf laugh where they just that, you know, that, that shocked laugh you get from an audience yeah. I can't believe you said that yeah thing. that's yeah. beautiful I love that it was has there ever been any temptation that anything you've translated that then makes it and go Oh, that's actually a better line. That's, that's, <laughs> that's actually I could I could work it like that. I'd love to be able to do it and do a show yeah. like that. I've got a friend translated uh, and translated back essentially. So it's that. Yeah. Well, if you could do it simultaneously. Yeah. My friend uh, Ray Bradshaw, he's a comedian. His parents are deaf, and he is talking about doing a fringe show where he just signs it as he goes along. Yeah. So he's he's uh, hearing. Yeah. But um, I think that would be kind of fascinating. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, if you could get a half and a half audience. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. That's that's fascinating. Well, we'll end it there. I'll let you get back to writing and cool, and creating. So, thank you very much for hey, good to meet having me and having a chat. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Squibbish Pits. There you go, that was Frankie Boyle, um, an absolute delight to talk to, to that gentleman. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Um, I'll mention again the other podcasts on the network that might be of interest to you, given the topics discussed. It feels like at the end of EastEnders or something, when they, if you have been affected by any of the subjects discussed in this episode, then check out Say Why to Drugs uh, with Dr. Susie Gage. And Stop and Search with Jason Reed, two fantastic drug-themed podcasts that I think you'll really enjoy. Um, They're on iTunes and Acast and everywhere else. Just give them a little search, mate. Nice and easy, isn't it? And, of course, as I mentioned in the intro, don't forget on Friday, my trainers are coming out. I've designed some trainers with Who Shoes. If you go to ohwshoes.com on Friday, then you'll be able to get my exciting new trainers. We're doing a limited run of just 50 and they come with a signed Polaroid and blah, 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 blah. I talked about it all in the intro. Forget it. Um, thank you for tuning in, guys. I'll be back next week with either the Drunk Cast or the John Bradley episode. We'll figure out timings and that. It depends what I can get recorded when. But yeah, thank you for tuning in, everyone. It's been an absolute delight. Ta-ta.